0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, welcome to the moon. I'm your host for this evening, Lawrence Ray. And today I'm joined by my wonderful co-hosts, Ricardo Martinez and Jerry. And we are interviewing for the second time, which I think is a first on this show, uh, the passionate, smart Bitcoiner, John Carvalho, who announced recently at the Adopting Bitcoin Lightning Summit that he is the CEO and is leading up at Synonym at Synonym.2, uh, a Bitcoin company uh so i guess first off john how you doing oh i'm pretty good how are you guys doing wonderful thank you in uh chilly england i must say
1: what about you guys ricardo jerry i'm doing great
2: well, i'm doing pretty hot and it's actually real hot but um 35 40 degrees ish so yeah forgive me if i'm gonna be a bit sweaty uh
0: anyway uh john i guess to to get us started off first question for you synonym i was obviously at uh the the, the summit but could you give us a very nice summary, ideally for people who uh, are not, you know, super technical or anything? What
3: is it? What is the goal? What are you doing? Sure, I, I can give it a try. Um, so basically Synonym is like my vision of, uh, or I shouldn't say only mine, our whole team's vision of um, you know, trying to model what it would look like if we actually had the concept of hyper Bitcoinization, or basically like Bitcoin being like the majority store of value for the whole world or most of the world. And so it involves basically like asking the questions, like, what if we really don't have government involved in the economy anymore? What if we don't have those like the regulations related to that? What if we don't have big banks? What if we don't have big tech like Facebook and Twitter and all these things? what would the digital economy actually look like? And so we took that kind of premise and tried to make a whole kind of ecosystem of software and technology that we think is, that currently doesn't exist to kind of fill in all the gaps to make sure that like there's at least one tool set available for everybody that wants to kind of opt out of the current paradigm and live in a kind of Bitcoin only framework. So it's kind of like taking the concept, which I'm sure your listeners will be familiar with of circular economy, and adding a couple more sort of uh, facets to that concept and so we have our own concept called the atomic economy which is basically combining the concept of circular economy like efficiency the minimization of conversion this kind of these kinds of physical concepts with the concept of a web of trust and a self-sovereign web and so this basically allows you to kind of reconstruct the web based off of you know your own abstract topics that you apply to others so this is how you decide how you define reputation you know who you can trust and who is even in your networks at all and we're trying to do this in a very interoperable way Um, so we have a whole series of products and we have uh, an additional like protocol that we're creating to enable all of this and yeah i guess that's that's scratching the surface of what we're doing basically
1: john can you explain what a web of trust is?
3: Sure. Web of trust is basically a concept of, you know, it's a, it's a pre-existing um, design pattern, I guess you could call it, in cryptography, where people use key pairs, much like Bitcoin key pairs, Except they, originally they weren't using Bitcoin key pairs, but our protocol does. Uh, we have our, our protocol that we're working on is called Slash Tags. And we use Bitcoin key pairs because we want it to be, we want to take advantage of the pre-existing, you know, applications that already back up and store Bitcoin key pairs for Bitcoin. Um, Slash Tags doesn't use a Bitcoin blockchain at all. It just uses the same elliptic curve that's used to create keys for Bitcoin. And so a web, a web of trust is basically taking the concept of everybody identifying themselves as a key which or a key pair, which gives them the capability to like sign proofs and prove that they, that they are that key and own that key and hold, have possession of that key. Um, so it's sort of like an authentication method. And then it uses that concept and then allows you to now apply some sort of you know, metadata to any other key inside of the network or inside of like it could be a centralized database it doesn't really matter Um, if you want to like kind of look into a good example like before there were bitcoin exchanges there was a concept called the bitcoin otc web of trust and you can search that right now the database is still online Um, it's basically something they integrated with irc chats so people could do like peer-to-peer trading with each other and establish a reputation of like completing trades so if you look in that you search that on google and you find that website i forget the actual domain name um you'll actually see some names you recognize in the database like there's like luke dasher and maybe gmax i don't remember This like some people that are in there like everybody that's in there has like a handle in there and they have like either their bitcoin key and or their pgp key as a way to identify themselves and then every time that People did business together, like did a trade, or you know anything that they felt like rating each other on, they would submit a signed message to the database that said like a comment about the trade and a score of minus ten to plus ten in range. So Web of Trust is just this concept of you know using keys to you know tag metadata to other keys, and the metadata basically represents some sort of topic and some sort of range. And now once you have this topic in range, if you rate somebody say plus 10, that puts them on a scale. And so the, the, so on the web of trust concept, you can kind of like combine it with the concept of, uh, you probably heard of the idea of like seven degrees of separation, like how many people you have to kind of know to know to reach everybody on earth. Um, web of trust has a similar concept where it weights your web of trust based off distance from you trust-wise. And so the people that you rate highly, the people that they rate highly are now like a second layer of your web of trust because you you can have some like associative trust because you trust them and they trust somebody else. And the same goes for like negative trust. Like if if you trust someone, but they do not trust somebody else, you will now let trust that person less as well and you can kind of keep going out in rings in distance of trust from you to kind of use this network as a way to either establish private networks or you know who you want to like allow to have feed data from you or even just establishing like who to actually search for information and trust in the future and so you can basically filter your web of trust and use this filtering mechanism as a way to establish permissions or searches or you know uh, networks in general.
0: Yeah, so that, that that explanation to me gives gives makes things a little bit clearer as well. So I guess tell me if I'm wrong here. Uh, my assumption or my understanding from what I've read on, on it and from what you've said yourself um, is that we're kind of looking at an kind of an, an alternative internet that's built on lightning kind of or like a a separate uh, internet kind of with this web of trust that's kind of built on lightning or or, or use like using uh...
3: has nothing to do with lightning i'll correct you there
0: brilliant thank you okay first (laughs) off um but i guess we uh, we're trying to talk about creating something where people as you say can kind of opt out of what we're currently doing aws and all these kind of centralized services into another kind of another sort of form or, or section of, of internet i suppose where you've got and, and you guys are providing services like slash tags is like a, a wallet but it also does more than than that like it allows you to store passwords and things and and there's obviously going to be more things that you do is that kind of right that you're kind of trying to create this alternative kind of internet i suppose to a degree is that there are some analogy.
3: semantics there that i probably need to correct because Like the internet is just a concept for all of the networks that are compatible with each other. And so it's not a separate internet because like when people think about internet, they think about like internet access, like internet service provider. And so we're not going to be like providing a new network for people to connect to in the concept on the layer of an internet. So it would be more accurate to say it would be an alternative web. And, that's, and it matches nicely with the word web of trust anyway. So you can have the worldwide web and you can have the web of trust separately as separate concepts. Now, they're not, incompatible you can still have worldwide web websites be accessible through worldwide web you know networking concepts and such but it's just basically a networking concept and another probably semantic thing i should correct is like with slash tags um slash tags is not a service it's a protocol and so it's open protocol anybody can use it and apply it however they want to um and even that even calling it a protocol is a bit of a uh you know it's just for convenience because it's almost more a method. It's a way of using keys, you know, to do a lot of different use cases basically. And so once we have built out the use cases for slash tags that include like the ability to establish like private networks based on your web of trust data, um, then I would be more comfortable just saying it's a web of trust. But like there are a lot of other use cases particularly the ones that we've released so far that don't even involve, you know, a web per se. And so it, it's more like a method of using keys for authentication. Um, and what's special about Slash Tags is there are other uh, tools that people use for using keys for authentication. Um, URL auth is an example. Um, you, you can find that. that That is, you know, quote unquote, based on lightning, but it also doesn't require lightning as a, as a technology either. Um, and so what we're trying to do is like, make it so not only do you have keys, but you also have this kind of formalized way of attaching metadata to keys. And so basically anytime you communicate using slash tags, you're also communicating a schema. And that schema is basically like data about how you form data about keys. (laughs) And so it's just basically, it's like a structure for assigning metadata. And so basically you can think of it as like, one schema could be like movie categorization and it could include like a map of all the different like fields essentially of like all the different things of metadata you would assign to a movie like title you know director act all the actors you know the year it was released all of these different stats and so if you use this schema and you attach a key to say frozen 2 you could like attach all of the metadata about Frozen 2 to that key and assign that uh, that file to that key. And you could also start assigning like ratings to that key. So you could say, okay, let me use the, the, the movie categorization schema with the movie rating schema, and I'm going to apply ratings to these movies. And you could do this in a way that is like, and mutual networks so basically the the data becomes portable and it's not part of a walled garden like it doesn't get locked into rotten tomatoes.com it gets locked into the rotten tomatoes schema and anybody can use that schema at any website however they want to and so it basically is a way of making decentralized you know networks and decentralized applications um that are modular and interoperable so you don't have to like be locked in so if you get kicked off twitter your twitter feed could be something that you own and that you can you know basically connect to any website and so you you getting kicked off twitter just means that your stuff won't appear at their domain name but it doesn't mean that your followers won't be able to find you somewhere else
0: right okay so to me it feels like um what Web three should be, I guess. You know, you hear people talk about Web three, and there's all that Ethereum and, and Solana and all that stuff. This feels like what it kind of should be, which is like modular and design, open source, and just and actually decentralized. I guess is that kind of am I am I right there in saying this is kind of like a, a good version yeah, of Web three? Right, that's okay. that's
3: one of the goals we're trying to do with the company is like as part obviously like uh, a required goal. If, if we're going to prove hyper-Bitcoinization, we have to also prove why we don't need shitcoins. And so and and so the idea here is to show that like with strictly only using the Bitcoin blockchain, you know, no side chains, no altcoins, you know, strictly, you know, using this as a design limitation can we actually do all the things that Bitcoiners claim we can do? And do we actually not need other blockchains? And we're basically trying to prove that we're trying to show how web three has nothing to do with blockchains. It has nothing to do with like native assets. It has to do with like interoperability, you know, self sovereign web concepts, things like this. And you just don't need a blockchain to do that.
1: John, are you familiar with the Fediverse and like Mastodon and Peertube? Like how would slash tags fit in with like federated social
3: media i'm not familiar with all of those um if, if I, i'm familiar with concepts within them but i would say the one of the differences between what we're doing and what's been done before is we're taking a very very abstracted approach like basically if you wanted to create things like you know federated networks or even if you wanted to like add a blockchain to your like identity scheme slash tag sits on top of that so so you could you could still have that within a slash tags paradigm if you really wanted it, but it's 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 like another abstraction level over that. And so it's just it's just the model of applying keys and metadata to keys, and that's it. And the rest of it is just all use cases that we build out using that concept and using that protocol. And so you know federated networks or fediverses or such, they're basically like. Um, a concept that would exist in any decentralized network but it, it is something that kind of locks you in or locks you out and so slash tags has similar capabilities where say your web of trust you could use that metadata as a permissioning set you could say okay if you are not this type of metadata you do not have access to this other type of data that i serve and so you could see how you could map this now to say a twitter or, or social media you know service and so if my server is serving, say, Mastodon, and I'm using slash tags as the account method for the server. Like, if you don't meet my capabilities or my requirements to be inside of my web of trust or permissioned into my network, you won't be able to use my my instance of Mastodon, you know, and you'll be, you just, if people come to my instance, they won't see you there because I don't serve your data there but you could make the same decision against me as well you could say i'm not going to serve my data to john's mastodon i'm going to serve it to you know harry's mastodon and joe's mastodon and whoever else like you can you can you create the data locally first and then you decide how you distribute it so it's more of a, an additive and an outward network than something that's public and global
0: so my my, my assumption here is that this is going to take some kind of technical know-how in the beginning, right? You've obviously got this protocol that people can can use and build upon and and can kind of, I'm sure, create different tools as well. Um, so I, I guess like the, the question here is um, in, in, the, in the vision that you've got and, and that your team has got, um, how sort of... Is, is, this, is this something that is kind of made to appeal? I guess at first probably to bitcoiners, and then kind of expand out and become something that appeals to everyone. I guess what I'm trying to get is like, what is the the incentive for my mum, for example, who kind of understands Bitcoin more than most people her age? What is her her incentive to, to, to actually get involved in this in this web of trust in this kind of alternative web like what what would it be i guess but but besides the obvious that it's it's decentralized and in my opinion therefore going to be already better than what we have in the in the current web
3: yeah so the beginning of your question you were talking about developers and building things and then the end you shifted towards end users like you know normies i guess you could say um so what i'll say is we're trying to address both sides and and the way we're trying to address it and some other use cases as well um but the way we're trying to address it is we're not only making a protocol you know we're making literally the entire ecosystem so we're actually going to demonstrate as we complete each use case with slash tags or any of the other technology that we're supporting like you know omnibolt and other things we can talk about um we're going to demonstrate it by actually putting it into an app to show how you could use this in a way that is user friendly and gives utility to end users. So for example, like um, the first use cases that we, we made for slash tags are slash tags accounts and slash tags contacts. Um, both of these use cases are just you know simple ability to, add into any wallet or platform or app the ability to use slash tags as a way to like open and manage web accounts and log into web accounts and so when we launch our mobile wallet in a few months we'll show we'll literally show you like here is why this is better like you now in your wallet not only can you store your bitcoin keys but you can also store your lightning and you can store your lightning tokens and you can store your slash tags accounts and you'll basically get to see exactly how we propose this is a better user experience because you won't have to memorize passwords anymore you're just going to have to protect your keys you, when you want to authenticate you won't have to like give anybody your email address unless that website specifically requires it as an additional piece of information the only thing you need to like be a unique entity on the internet is a key like a, and this is like the most abstracted form of a user account and so we're kind of zooming out a little bit and saying let's start there give a better user experience um for, for logging in and for managing your passwords, essentially, um, and then keep building on top of that. So that's slash tags accounts. And, we'll, and the wallet will also support slash tags contacts. And contacts are just very similar to the use case you're thinking of already with like contacts in your phone, except it applies that metadata to a key. And so not only is somebody just a listing in a database on your phone, they also have a key associated with them because they're using slash tags. And so now that key you know, opens up a lot of possibilities because it comes like a digital anchor. Like you could find them on the slash tags network. That means that they could have a server that represents them. And so now you can do things like, for example, if I add you as a contact, you could now have like, like what we'll eventually do is you can now have the capability to like, tell me which payment methods you support. And I could have my own list of payment methods I support. And so when I want to pay you, I won't just like, send it to your on-chain address that I have stored, I will actually contact you on the tags Network to get your current list of payment methods supported. And this will all happen in the background. The user won't have to deal with this. And, and you'll say, okay, I, I have a Lightning channel and you have a Lightning channel and we both prefer Lightning. So I'm gonna, I'll, I'm gonna automatically present you a Lightning invoice for the payment that you wanna make to me. Or if you wanna pay me on-chain, then I'll say, yes, here's my on-chain address that you can pay me at. I'll generate an address for you to pay. And because the the ways to pay in Bitcoin are always changing and they're always, we we'll always have more, you know, we have like legacy, we have multi-sig, we have Segwit, we have Taproot, we have Lightning, we have tokens on Lightning coming. And so you, we need some kind of way to interface with people to see what, how we match when we're paying each other. So Slash Tags Contacts will enable two more Slash Tags use cases that we can build on top of that, which will be um, like some sort of like pay name or like pay card or some kind of way to do what I just described with resolving how to pay you. And also um, it'll become like your first step to creating your, your first web of trust. And so while we don't have the web of trust um, features shipped yet and we're not building private networks out of this yet, you'll already have kind of bootstrapped you know your first web of trust by creating your contact list. And so we, we have a very strategic approach to like, how we're going to apply the technology, how we're going to demonstrate the technology, and how we're going to include it in actual end user applications to demonstrate the utility of it.
2: Um, Cavallo. I have a you know rather pretty um, I want to say philosophical question, but um the idea behind synonym is based on the conviction or belief that um Bitcoin would, you know, based on hyper bitcoinization and the belief that you know Bitcoin is going to, you know take over the um, monetary policy you know globally and um, I believe that but to many people that may seem a little bit you know idealistic and um do you I would you what would you say to people who feel that um synonym might be kind of like a niche protocol similar to um basabi coin join or even BTC pay server where it's just a it's just like basically um, used among um, people who are Bitcoin centric, who are within our echo chamber for lack of a better word.
3: I would say that, like most likely, that person is probably an altcoiner and probably trying to justify, you know, their, their investment more than actually speak about any sort of, um, you know, philosophy or or uh, you know theoretical rationalization of why we're doing or why we shouldn't be doing what we're doing. Because first, like Synonym is a company. Um, And then slash tags is an open protocol. It doesn't, it's not tied to Bitcoin. You could, you could use, you know, if you wanted to apply the slash tags method to a different curve, like PGP or Ed keys, like you could use any elliptic curve to establish yourself, you know, as an anchor in a network. It's just it's just the concept of using a key pair to sign things. So slash tags, you know, could appear in Ethereum wallets or other things like this. There's nothing stopping it. Ethereum uses the same curve as Bitcoin, and so it would it wouldn't really be a stretch to see slash tags be a model that could be applied in altcoin wallets as well. So, um, it's, as far as slash tags goes, it's it's generally curve or or blockchain agnostic. It doesn't use a blockchain. Um, As far as our products and our strategy and our belief in Bitcoin, well, I I think that calling an ideal is probably, um, you know, not fair because there's a lot of rationalization behind it. You could say maybe it's a theory or a hypothesis or this kind of thing um, that, you know, we, we could be wrong but it doesn't require all the altcoins dying or even fiat dying for this to work or be useful to a lot of, to a lot, a lot of people and bitcoin is already like the majority you know cryptocurrency right now and it always has been and so it's like it's it's kind of hard to argue it as an ideal when i'm saying Look, we're just choosing to focus on developing for literally the most popular blockchain, the oldest blockchain, the most secure blockchain, the most valuable blockchain, that blockchain with the most hashing. Like, it's kind of, you know, obviously, you know, uh, friendliness aside, it's a shit coiner concept to be able to say that Bitcoin is an ideal or a niche, you know you have to basically be comparing it to like fiat currencies instead of altcoins. And at that point you could say, yes, it's a niche. Very few people using Bitcoin compared to the amount of people that use fiat currency. But the idea here is to like give people an alternative to opt out of the legacy system and create a new system where the users are in control. And I think that that narrative and that use case, you know, I don't want to say it's self-evident so much as it's very compelling and it's certainly useful once people decide that is something that they want to embrace.
1: John, can you talk about why you chose Omni? Like, I, I felt that was a really interesting choice.
3: Sure. Um, so I've been trying to get tokens on Lightning ever since I worked at BitRefill. Um, the original, you know, we had an original strategy that involved, you, you guys are going to be very familiar with their BitRefill balance card and the, the progression of how that, like, was built into Bitrefill. The next stage of that, you know, was always planned. You know, you know from my perspective, at least, I, I hadn't convinced Sergey fully. Um, but you know, my 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 ideal in that case was to eventually convert the bit refill card into a concept of gift tokens on Lightning and to also kind of use that as a way to kind of spearhead showing other vendors that they could do the same thing. And so basically getting a major gift card vendor to like show how having gift cards as bearer instruments is very useful and some of the problems it solves for users and for businesses, and w- which there are a lot and you can get into it if you want. Um, but your question was about which why we chose specifically Omni um so i had tried to back then i tried to uh get some people together including tether and some other people to work on the concept for lightning tokens for a project called rgb but the problem is like we focused on rgb for one or two years and it really went nowhere and the technology and the people working behind it it just i couldn't continue to like bank on that that would happen or that it would ever ship and so we started looking at alternatives and I had kind of ignored Omni in the past because I didn't actually understand how it worked I thought that it was like a separate blockchain and that it had its own like native token and that you had to use like basically a a shit coin to be able to use it and and so I just ignored it but then somebody said, "Look, people kept telling me you, you need you need to look at this. It doesn't work how you think. It doesn't work how you think." And then so when we started playing with it, I was informed that the, that yes, there is an Omni token, but that token is just another token issued on the protocol, like every other token. It's just somebody you know the organization did an ICO to try to raise money, but it doesn't actually natively require that token. It's just another token issue. I said, "Okay, well, I would prefer that didn't what weren't true because like it would make it." makes it easier to explain if i don't have to like explain that little you know asterisk you know side note but then I, you know it also doesn't use a blockchain and so if you look at our website um, synonym.to you'll see that uh, we have an area specifically it talks about our design principles and so like one of our design principles is that we really are trying to have this design limitation i mentioned earlier of only using the bitcoin blockchain and no other blockchain and so that basically rules out things like like Liquid, um, things like using Ethereum tokens and because they, they all require a separate blockchain. Like Liquid is a private network. It's a federated network, kind of like what you mentioned earlier. Um, and I don't believe that it's possible to communicate to end users the trade-offs that you get into when you start using those Uh, things like how do you explain to the end user that this liquid token is part of a federated network that's private and permissioned and here are the risks you know you just can't really do it inside of a wallet app and so I I just don't want to pass on and make decisions for users and so we chose Omni because all it is is Omni is Bitcoin transactions and so it just has uses the op return to include extra information Um, And so we just have, Omni has a separate network that tracks basically the metadata about these Bitcoin transactions to be able to track token assignments to these Bitcoin transactions as well. And so you can use Omni to issue tokens on Bitcoin. And then a separate project made by a third third party called Omnibolt, they decided to add like basically the same lightning technology that's on Bitcoin to Omni. And so now you so what we're one of the other things we're working on is this capability to include um, you know Omni tokens on Lightning Network technology, so you can do like the same high frequency instant kind of uh, user experience for people, um, but using things like tether tokens instead or gift tokens.
1: We interviewed Samson Mao, and he was talking about how on Liquid, if you issue a token, Liquid could have its own Lightning network for each token. Um, is is that kind of what you mean by Omnibolt
3: well there's two concepts there one is just discussing the concept of putting a liquid putting a lightning network on something and then the concept of how like no matter what you use every single asset that you add to a lightning network is essentially its own lightning network because lightning network is liquidity based and so you end up Needing to rebuild the whole a whole new network for every token that you add, and so like I don't think we're going to see a lot of like kind of uh, scam tokens on Lightning like we saw on all coins because there's this friction there where like you have to actually be a company willing to issue a token on your reputation willing to bootstrap a new lightning network just for your token and so it's a there's a little bit more of a overhead and a little bit more of a, of a hill to climb to make your token actually be lightning compatible in a meaningful way because you need to actually serve lightning channels and sell them to people and start building out that network somehow which gets into our block tank product um, our lsp product which, which we could talk about as well And like I said, the other part you mentioned is just putting a lightning lightning network technology on top of a blockchain. I mean, you could theoretically do this on top of any blockchain. And so Liquid is its own blockchain, but, but like I mentioned earlier, it is a private blockchain. You have to have permission to be able to use it. There are special rules for who gets to govern the blockchain. There are special rules for who gets to audit the kind of confidential transactions. So it like it, it, it has certain qualities and features that other blockchains won't have or Bitcoin doesn't have. But it has a lot of trade-offs to achieve those qualities. And so like I said, like yes, you can put Lightning on Liquid, but now you have... Bitcoin. And then you have converting your Bitcoin into a private network and, and putting it in custody so you can get liquid Bitcoin. And then you have, now you have your liquid Bitcoin and tokens. And now you put a lightning network on top of that. And this is all separate from the existing lightning network. And so now you have like two lightning networks and, and Omnibolt has the same problem as far as being a separate lightning network. Every asset you issue does, but, but this is a separate network. Whereas now, like, we can combine, you know, with the Omnibolt stack. We already have Omni that's literally on top of Bitcoin. It is not a private network. Um, It does not require an extra blockchain. And then we can put Lightning on top of that, so we stay on the Bitcoin stack. One thing that I guess I'm interested in,
0: actually, because obviously we interviewed you, it was a while back now, actually, wasn't it? But um, uh, before, anyway, I should say uh when when did this um when did this idea i guess come to you that you know when did this realization come to you that hey you know we're we're talking about sort of bitcoin adoption and how can i kind of support it by creating this kind of separate web of trust in the separate web when did this whole idea actually come to mind, I guess, because it's interesting to see how long you've worked on it. And I guess a side question as well is like, uh, obviously you've got, uh, Paolo as CTO and so like there's, there's involvement from Tether and Bitfinex. Like when did you decide that they would be good people to partner with to get this job done? Is it, is another question.
3: So to answer your first question, um, it, it kind of, it's a combination of things I, with, with slash tags, um, it's actually something I started to work on before Bitcoin, um, I, I used to have a, um, a marketing company and one of the things, we were full service. And so we did, you know, branding, graphic design, printing, you know, advertising, any type of marketing. We did SEO and we did websites. And what I, you know, we got to learn a lot about websites and expectations of small businesses for like the SEO of their websites. And so we ended up, uh, me and another person in the company went and actually went to a Google training to like learn all about search engine marketing and Google AdWords and SEO. And so we like literally like were, I I was a huge Google fan at the time. And so like my dream was actually to like quit my company and close my company at some point and just go work for Google. And so my plan was like taking, and, and one of my frustrations at the company was It really didn't make sense to me, you know, other than like, you know, a way to like lock people in, you know, um, that Google didn't just literally publish their weighting algorithm, like publicly. Like I didn't like how like the SEO community was always having to kind of guess what Google preferred. And so they could kind of, you know, you know, have some kind of voodoo where they figure out how to get ranked really well. And that to me just seemed like friction that shouldn't be there. And so what I did was I started to design, my my plan was to design a concept where I'm gonna design a Google killer and then I'm gonna present this to Google as a reason to hire me because I'm not an engineer. And so I knew that I had to have some sort of special angle to get a job at Google. You know, like like back then it was like so hyped, like the interview process is so hard. And so you have to be a genius to get a job there. And it was like, oh shit, like I don't even know how to program and I have to like go over there and try to get a job. And I really wanted to work there because I liked all the like, I like the concept of how they had like 20% time where you could work on whatever you wanted. And, you know, it's just, it was just so much opportunity. It was like mind expanding, like the way Bitcoin was when I, when I discovered that. And, uh, and so I did kind of actually work on the idea and how it would work to basically kill Google. And that was the beginning of the idea of Slash Tags. And so I kind of worked on that, you know, passively for a year or two back in like 2012 or something um actually probably even earlier than that because it was right before bitcoin um and I, found, I i started in bitcoin at the end of 2012 and uh then i kind of got distracted for a while you know i was uh doing the bitcoin thing and then i did uh the the streaming website and then i worked at bit refill but then i when i was at while i was at Bitrefill, um these ideas started coming back and I started like, my mind started expanding again, as I saw how people were actually using Bitcoin, like circular economy stuff and, you know, the little hacks people would do to like, make their life easier, like with gift cards combined with Bitcoin. And and also how people were starting to use stable coins and how a lot of people were requesting the ability to pay with stable coins and tokens. And so I started doing a lot of, you know, I started doing a lot of thinking about, and Sergey like would, you know, he left a big impression on me when I first joined because he was like, you know, you have to come up with an idea for 100xing this company. Um, (laughs) And I was like, it wasn't my job so much as like, if I was going to keep proposing ideas, they had to be really good ideas. And so um, I kind of like really took that to heart. And then one day when we were at one of the BitRefill Extravaganza, you know, meetups with the team, I asked him and I asked Justin, I said, hey, could we do tokens on lightning? And they both said, yeah, probably. And that was it. It was like, okay. (laughs) Like now I, I was like, all right, if this is possible, then that means we can bring gift cards to retail using tokens and blah, 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 blah. And like the very next conference I was at, um, was this conference in Malta where, uh, Paulo Arduino from Bitfinex and Tether, um, Giacomo Zucco from RGB, and Oleg from Fulgar Ventures, who's also an investor in, in both of our companies, Bitrefill and Synonym. Um, they were all there. And I said, Hey, this is what I want to do. And I want I have this whole strategy for Bitrefill to do gift tokens and blah, blah, blah. And you know, they all agreed. Like they all said, okay, let's try to make RGB into this. And so that was kind of the start of, you know, some of the, where, where the, the token stuff came in, how I became uh, closer to Paulo as well, um, and in Oleg, of course. And uh, then we did the integration with Bitfinex while I was at Bitrefill where we integrated Bitrefill's gift card widget into Bitfinex and we kind of basically convinced them to add lightning network at the same time as a settlement method and that was the begin. that was the first major exchange to add lightning and so that was another way that I got closer to Bitfinex when, when I was working with them on that and so finally like I just started coming up with and you can even ask Sergey about this like when we were in Sweden at a later extravaganza, I was showing him like all these like mind maps of like all these ideas of things that bit Refill could do and all these different categories. And back then it was like a mess, you know, but I started like polishing that and I started really wanting to do like all of it. <laughs> and, you know, it wasn't, it still wasn't, it didn't become polished until months late months after I left bit Refill. But like I did kind of like, you know, I, I tried to like say, Hey, can to Sergey, I talked to Sergey I was like do you think that we could like find a way to do these things and it was just so it was just way too much you know what I mean it was so off the path Bitrefill was already on and so I went and I went and asked Paula I said hey you know like I've talked to you about a lot of ideas of things that I want to do things that I thought maybe we could do at Bitrefill. refill if, if I don't if I can't do them at Bitrefill, can I do them with you. And he said, yes. And so basically, you know, I, we, I, I left BitRefill amicably. I still talk to Sergey all the time. Um, I still love BitRefill. I'm still technically a shareholder at BitRefill. Um, and so uh you know, I have a, I really, really respect Sergey and your entire team. And so I, but I did leave so I could do something, you know, much, much more, uh, I don't know, ambitious, I guess you could say, which is a word. A lot of people like to use, which is sometimes an insult and sometimes a compliment. Um, but, um, and I spent a few months basically just designing this uh, this company, what the product stack would be, and trying to address this like bitcoinization problem. And what I came up with is that, you know, I could figure out the stack of apps and tech that we could use to kind of fill all the gaps for the circular economy. But there was this whole subset of use cases that were missing, and it was basically that Google killer idea. It was like, how do we attach metadata to things and put the, you know search algorithm in into the hands of the user instead of the hands of like google or, or, or a master you know website and that kind of became the foundation of the concept for Slash Tags. And we wor- we worked with a team called um, Hyper Division. I think they're changing their name now though. Um, and they helped kind of make a few, one or two different versions of Slash Tags. Um, and they kind of weren't exactly what we were looking for. And then we landed finally on, on what we have now. And so, yeah, that's a long rant, but that kind of, I think mostly answers your questions. <laughs> it definitely does and I appreciate it. Uh, and it kind of, cause I, I remember the
0: announcement, I was like, oh, I wonder, like why and how the whole bit for next thing came about because obviously it just it hadn't really like occurred or made much sense to me but that obviously clearly gives me a lot more understanding and background as to like where this idea has come from as well and that technically it's kind of somewhat been decade plus in the making to a degree right like as you said in some idea. ways
3: and also like a lot of people think that t- like a lot of people take a, a first glance at what we're doing and they say, Oh, it's a tether company and they're doing tokens on lightning. It's just all about tether. But that's actually like that. That's why I tell that story is because that, that token was like a side, the token on lightning stuff was like a side goal that I had since I was at Bitrefill. Phil. And that just only what, that just only made everything else complementary. Like Paulo's interest in this company has very, very little to do with the token stuff. It had, you know, he is very, very interested in seeing like the self-sovereign web kind of concept. He was already working on some things. Like he he was friends with the hyperdivision guys and working with them on projects before I arrived. And so they were already trying to figure out how to apply things like decentralized, you know, storage and, and these kind of networking concepts before I even arrived. And so it was all complementary. Like that's why that it all gelled together and the white reason why it was so easy for me to kind of transition and, con- and can convince these companies to do this um, was that they were already wanting to kind of pretty much go in this direction anyway.
0: Yeah, I was, I was just saying, I can understand why why BitRefill didn't go with this idea because obviously it doesn't really, as you say, it doesn't really gel with what the-, the It's a totally strategy. different kind of yeah, business. Yeah, it's just- Like
3: one of the kind of clutch hinge things that made it was that w- this vision that I'm doing- re- requires building a wallet like that mm-hmm. like you have to have be ready to like build a new wallet build a new user experience in that wallet that includes a bunch of other things that haven't been done before and that is a huge gap to go from being like very Phil e-commerce to being like a software you know app building company yeah and so I have a feeling that you guys still will end up building a wallet someday <laughs> but um you know maybe it'll be more like you know combined with the app and that kind of thing uh,
2: yeah um john so um you've been prior to launching synonym you've been working on this for two years what would you say were your biggest challenges and what are currently your biggest challenges you know building this massive ecosystem
3: that's a good question and a rare question um I like to talk about this kind of stuff. That's why I have um, my own podcast called The Biz because I people don't talk about like how business development works, how, how strat you know, anything to do with strategy. It's never part of the conversation. And I think that like one of the first things I noticed when I was doing this is everybody acts like they know how to do this. They, everybody acts like they know how to do a startup. They know how to do a Bitcoin startup. They know how to raise money. They know, like it, it, they just talk about it like, oh, I've known, always know how to do this. But there's no, there's no rules. There, there's no like reference that you can read that tells you the way to do specifically like making a Bitcoin company. Like it, it's all really just figuring it out for yourself. And I became very frustrated with that. Like I was having all these really interesting calls with people and having to like figure out my own method for like mind mapping and developing all these ideas. But there was no way for me to share any of that with people. And that was why I ended up making the biz podcast was because I, I just, the the, old, the original idea was I literally wanted to record all of my private business development calls with people and just publish those. But that turns out to be illegal and in most places. And so I didn't do it that way um, and just did a, did a, a business podcast. But um, yeah, so the first challenge was just kind of like, like, discovering everything in the dark, you know, just figuring out how do I go from having no company to having like a vision and, you know, a product, you know, plan, a roadmap, and, and you know, employing people, getting funding, everything like that, you know, signing contracts, negotiating term sheets and all these things like, they're different every time. And there's that, don't let anybody tell you that there's a certain way that everybody does it because there are no rules to any of this. You just do it how you want to and you make everybody bend to what makes sense for you. And you just have to make sure that, you know, what you're asking for does make sense, that you have rationalized it and researched it. Um, another challenge was having to do a lot of research. Like when you're doing like decentralized web tech, It's like endless, endless research. It goes back decades. (laughs) And so like to make sure you're not making something somebody already made, that you're not like neglecting to leverage something somebody already made and, you know, making mistakes. Because, you know, I like to say that the decentralized web kind of industry is just riddled with failure. Like nobody other than maybe like Napster, BitTorrent, you know, things like this, like nobody has ever had successes with like getting people to use keys. Nobody has had successes with getting people to like be responsible for their own data. People don't even host their own email anymore. You know, like everybody just uses Gmail. Even businesses use Gmail. Like it's like the, the self-sovereign aspect of the web as a culture is basically gone. Um, And we have to try to figure out a way to revive that and justify reviving it, like with actual utility and use cases and incentives for people to stop doing what they're doing and do something else, which is not easy. Um, Sorry, what was the second? Those are some challenges. I mean, I I could keep going, but there was a second half of the question. What was it?
2: Um, What are your current challenges now? Right now.
3: Oh, the challenge is now. So one of the reasons, one of the big reasons why we even announced the company when we did, because we're still not done with everything. Like I, I would have stayed in self, self mode another year. But one of the big challenges is that um, it's very, very difficult to recruit while you're in self mode because you have no reputation, you have no like hype about you, you have no website. You know? And so to go out and try to recruit people, it was basically like me on Twitter, linking people to my Medium blog and having a job listing there. And that, that, that's pretty difficult to like find good people, although we did get really lucky and I am actually really happy with the people we have on the team right now. And so um, it wasn't so bad because at least it was people that like already were like associated with my Twitter and followed me or knew people that followed me. So there was like kind of like a web of trust already. And so it made recruiting not so bad. But for some of the roles, it's just it's just really difficult. And so we, we are now we, we announced the company. And so that was one of the current challenges. Um, another one is learning to scale a company, you know, I've never managed a company, you know, that had more than, I don't know, five people before um and now you know we're approaching 10 people and we probably need to grow the company into 20 or more people within the next year just to be able to do all the things we want to do and so yeah recruiting scaling the company to be like bigger um dealing with the dynamics of like how this is a tether company it's not like a normal startup and so we're kind of like a mixed company with bitfinex and tether so we like share resources like we have, you know, we use the legal, we don't have our own legal team, we use their legal team, we use Bitfinex's HR for things and things like this, so it's like um, navigating this kind of newly designed sort of company setup was also another one.
2: Um, I saw a tweet of yours, and um, I know you mentioned that, you know, you've had lots of support from, you know, um, Justin, like you mentioned, you sharing resources with, you know, Tether, and had support from Paul, but, on the, you know, how much support have you gotten from the wider, you know, Bitcoin um, ecosystem? I saw in the tweet where you say you dis- your uh, that was on the 17th of November, you said you were disappointed with some of your peers and, um, you know, that probably your what you're launching is might conflict with some of their interests and investments. And um, has this, would you say the support from the wider ecosystem has been underwhelming? And um, I know you might not want to mention names, but, um what really happened in in that particular you know, scenario
3: sure i mean that was a particular moment i would say overall the support has been pretty great um people have been very positive um i don't know we went we went from zero followers on our on our company twitter account to four thousand in like one week um i'm a, i'm happy with that you know it's, considering how early we are it was it was pretty good um we got a lot of great responses like you know some coverage and different you know bitcoin and crypto news websites and some podcasts and things like that like overall I'm, I'm happy with the reception um but that specific tweet that you're bringing up that was a specific moment where there were like two or three people that were kind of they had an initial like reaction to our announcement and things like this and i don't know if it was like the threat of competition or things like this but those few people and i won't name them um I was surprised because there are people that I've known for years and that I've always been able to have like, you know, pretty great discourse with. And so I noticed that their discourse in reaction to some of the things we're doing was a little bit emotional, a little bit biased, and I should have expected it, but I didn't, I I hadn't thought about it beforehand and how that might happen after it happened. I, I kind of rationalized it and it made sense as to why it happened, but just generally like, it's like what I said in the tweet, like, When you have your own like Bitcoin company or any company, any startup or anything that you like basically put your not just your time into, but like, you know, your creativity and your heart into it's basically your baby like this company, whether even though I'm not the majority owner of this company, it's a tethered company, I consider it to be my baby. And I'm sure that other people consider their companies to be their baby or specific technology or or products that they've built within their company to be their baby. And, you know, when you start seeing other people like kind of compete with your baby, you know, your first instinct is not to collaborate. It's not to expand your mind. It's to kind of like protect yourself. And so I think that, you know, at least rationally explains some of the behavior. And I think we would all do the same thing in the right situation, in certain situations. So it's just a human natural behavior, I think. Um, but I do wish, and I, and I would like for the Bitcoin community to be more open-minded about collaborating. Um, and I have a bias for that as well. Like the the vision we have and the stuff we're building, it requires a lot of adoption. Like we need like... The whole world to adopt slash tags we need all of the bitcoin community to support and adopt you know like tokens on lightning like this is all all of this requires a lot a lot of bootstrapping a lot of adoption you know a lot of like learning technology and things like this and so we need support and so i my philosophy about things has always been like what i learned is People always just say, oh, don't tell people your ideas. Don't share your product ideas. Don't tell, you know, that they're going to steal them. And what I learned is that basically the opposite is true. Like the more you share your ideas and the more unique and the more creative they are, the more likely they actually come true. That's just been my experience. Once in a while, you get people kind of steal a thing here or there or mimic a thing or, or ship a thing before you ship it or whatever. But like the amount of that is so small in comparison to just like actually just sharing everything with everybody that I, I really, really believe in it now. And I'll go so far as like, for example, like I mentioned the Block tank product we have earlier, that's like a server product that is going to be something that we monetize. Most people would never open source that kind of thing, but we will open source it. You know, we'll, we'll get a head start on ourselves and, you know, make sure that it all works well and get a few customers into it first. But I, my philosophy is that like if we open source that, that we might get everybody else that needs that kind of product and or wants to offer that kind of service contributing to that code and making it better for everybody. And I just really believe that like we have to have a new way of thinking with bitcoin because Bitcoin kind of like mitigates middlemen. Like we just don't need middlemen as much as we used to. And so being a middleman is just not as useful as a service anymore. And so you have to actually provide an actual product or service that people need. And so we might as well get used to open sourcing like public resources and public needs and common software, because I think it'll just be better for it.
1: On Marty Bent's podcast, you mentioned that you are focusing on building, um, you know, like the core products of Synonym and you had a call to action to other developers to kind of build out the rest of your idea. Um, What are the core products that you guys are working on?
3: Sure, so first we'll have um, kind of the thing that's been the most work, which so far at least has been our our wallet. Um, We will have a mobile wallet and a Chrome or you know browser extension version of the mobile wallet as well. Um, and we've been working on that for a while, and that mobile wallet will include Bitcoin, Lightning, tokens on Lightning, and slash tags accounts and slash tags contacts. Um, it also includes a few other little things in there of, like, how we think, you know, we can improve the user experience for Bitcoin and for Lightning. Um, we have kind of rethought the whole user experience for a Lightning wallet and, and by integrating that with the next product, which I'll describe, which is BlockTank. Um, BlockTank is a Lightning service provider. It's basically a server. You can think of it a bit like the Thor service at BitRefill. So basically, we'll also have a web widget that you can use to buy channels, you know, as the public. Um, You'll be able to choose, like, the local capacity, the remote capacity, and how long you want the channel open. And then we'll price that based off of uh, Bitfinex's, you know, lending rate for Bitcoin. Um, on the Bifinx exchange. So basically, if you'll be able to like rent liquidity of Bitcoin, you know, inside of Lightning Channel, it's, it's a very, very reasonable rate. and But we're kind of using that as a, you know, a way to gauge the, the rate of, you know, uh, locking up Bitcoin into a service. Um, BlockTank will also have an, a, it does have an API. We'll release BlockTank formally within a few weeks probably. Um, but it'll have an API service so you can integrate the server with any platform. So if you wanted to say, give your users of your own wallet, not not our wallet, the ability to do the same user experiences as our wallet, you'd be able to do that by integrating with BlockTank API. You'd be able to do it, um, basically offer the same kind of channel configuration, channel management services that we have um, for our own wallet and our own products. You'll be able to do that in your own platforms and in your own apps as well. And so BlockTank is just going to be where we build out you know, this ability to uh, sell, purchase, you know, uh, automate, manage any type of channel things you need as a service. Um, so we have the wallet, which the, I didn't say the name yet because we're still in, in legal kind of registrations with the name, but we do have a name for it. Um, we have the wallet. So we have the Block Tank LSP. We have Slash Tags, which is kind of the the web of trust protocol that kind of brings everything together and has many many different use cases that we'll release over the next year. Um, And we'll also integrate that into all our products. And then we have our web platforms, which one of them will be a publishing platform, um, which will basically show how you can use slash tags to actually kill Google and actually, you know, replace existing publishing platforms where you control your content, you monetize your content in many ways. we started to kind of tease some of the ideas with our other product, which is the biz podcast, where they have this crowd wall concept for how you unlock the content. Um, So we want to have that kind of thing in our publishing platform, which is why we never open sourced the biz website, because I didn't want people like installing and adopting just the simple podcast, you know, website with one payment feature when we're already trying to build a full fledged content publishing platform. So you could kind of think of it as a mix between like, Google and WordPress and Medium and you know any any podcasting platform it's just basically going to support every content type you would need and every monetization type you would need and it's going to incorporate slash tags to be able to make it so you can have apply metadata and ratings and you know filtering and sorting for all this stuff and then the final product we have is, uh, it's kind of a two-part product, which I won't detail too much because it is kind of a unique design and I don't want to leak it much yet. <laughs> um, and, and it's kind of far away, um, but we have a uh, basically a decentralized social media, like a Twitter killer kind of thing that we've designed that we're really happy and proud of, um, but it's going to take a while to build it out. We need to build out some of the features of slash tags first, et cetera. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's the whole product stack. Um, of, the, of the stuff that we're building and shipping. Um, and then just as a side mention, I'll mention like as an underlying technology that we also support, we use this this protocol called HyperCore um, and that is used within slash Tags, and it will be part of how we build out um, the publishing platform and the decentralized social media platform as well. But HyperCore is basically a protocol. It's very similar to uh, BitTorrent, except it's got, you know, uh, more cool, modernized features, you know, for, for current times. And one of the one of the more interesting aspects of it is the files that are, are made out of append-only logs. And append-only logs are sort of like databases that um, function a little bit like a blockchain. Like you can't change the past and you can prove it. And so these append-only logs are also locked by key pairs and all the content within them is content addressable with key pairs as well. And so it just you know, I won't rant too much, but this basically opens up all of the kind of decentralized storage and Oracle concepts and, you know, abstracted encrypted storage and all these kinds of use cases that people kind of wanted for a while and allows us to kind of do true decentralized social media and the other stuff that I've talked about.
0: I got I got one final question for you which has kind of come about from what you just your answer you gave um I mean first off I love the ideas <laughs> which is pretty uh, clear I think I think most people are quite into them especially uh, the Twitter killer please for the love of god bring bring <laughs> it the I wish we were done already I really do
3: like
0: <laughs> <laughs> just I can't wait for that product but um I guess the question I've got now is I can see how blocktank like there's, there's there's monetization in there and obviously cuz you guys are creating a company right so my question is like how we on some of the other things like the protocols and the other things you're building like even the decentralized social media how how do you, how are you going to seek to monetize that is like i guess my the thing that came to mind is it all sounds
3: awesome but i'm thinking it from a company perspective how are you going to monetize some of these things for the moment th- there's two simple ways like you mentioned block tank um, i think that you know when you when, when you consider that for the moment block tank is just doing lightning But there'll be other services that we'll add on top of it. Like, for example, once we have Tether on Lightning, BlockTank will also sell Tether tether channels as well. And so that's another, you know, and and this plugs into our own apps and it plugs into any other apps. So any wallet that wants to be able to offer Bitcoin and Tether channels to their users will be able to do it through BlockTank as well. Um, And then BlockTank will also, you know, be the storage provider when we, when we map in this Hypercore technology to be able to do like basically a, de- a decentralized storage market. And so we'll show how you can apply slash tags and have like basically a reputation sort of Oracle system um, for having a decentralized storage market. And you can use that as another basis. And so we'll block tank will participate in that market of like this abstracted kind of encrypted hosting. And so that we have monetization there with block tank with kind of just networking and, and internet sort, you know, uh, Kind of storage and and, uh, and liquidity services, and then also just the very simple thing of in the wallet we'll we'll eventually add the feature probably around the summertime. Um, we want to release the wallet in the spring, like April, um, March or April, um, and then maybe in the summertime, like you know, a couple a quarter or so later, we'll add the ability to actually just buy Bitcoin and buy Tether and maybe buy you know, bit refill tokens or, or any, you know, any actual token we want to support in BlockTank and support at Bifinex, et cetera, that is on Lightning. If it's something that falls within our design principles, we'll consider whether to provide liquidity for it. And that liquidity can include an liquidity on Lightning or just the ability to buy it in the wallet. And so eventually you'll have the capability to, you know, uh, make an account in the wallet, KYC if necessary for the amount that you're trying to buy and just sell Bitcoin and tether to people.
0: let do it. That makes a lot more, uh, yeah, it makes it clear to me to say that was just one question that, you know, came to
3: mind. Um, and I think I, it's okay, like, like, sorry, but uh, no, go ahead, go ahead. Like, I, I didn't mention monetization for like the publishing platform or for the social media platform, because in my opinion, there is no honest way to do it. Like we could do like scammy things, like have like a native token to the to the platform, or you know, uh, you know, take a cut of everything everybody does some weird way. Like, but that none of those things would be natural. We just literally would be injecting ourselves where we don't need to be, and so those things don't have monetization strategies because they're decentralized open platforms. And so what my, what my philosophy is that. Everybody will be using and paying each other with Bitcoin, with Lightning, and with tokens on Lightning. And everything that I've described to you, our whole stack, is part of an, an economy. Like You're going to want to monetize and permission everything that you do. And so you're going to need Bitcoin to do it. You're going to need tokens to do it. You're going to need liquidity to do it. And so in order to have the scale of this monetary network, you're still going to need to buy stuff from BlockTank and, and buy Bitcoins from our wallet and you know that kind of thing. I
0: think yeah, that's that's reassuring on the social media side and other sides because I think you're right. Like, there's so many ta- ta- opportunities. there's a lot of times where I see something, I think, oh, this is actually quite a cool idea, and then I go on the website and it's got its own token, which immediately you think, oh, happened to me
3: yesterday, man. Like, I, I didn't realize, but I had met the guy from Sovereign um, mm-hmm. at, at uh, the conference in Atlanta, and apparently we had a nice, you know, cordial conversation. But yesterday he got, in my, got into one of my tweets and was saying like, oh, maybe we could, maybe you guys want to do work with us on doing, you know, on zero token. I'm like, what the fuck is zero token? Like, <laughs> and like, so I, I started replying to him, like I normally would on Twitter, like being rude, not realizing I've already met the guy and had a nice conversation. But like, all I had to do was like glance at what he was showing me. And it's like, they have a presale, they have a native token, they're saying they have 0% loans. And I'm like, "Like, what, what the fuck is this? Like... Like... Like, I I don't want any part of this. And Mm. so, you know, yes, that guy, if he wants to can issue his token on lightning with our technology and whatever, but it will never appear in block tank, you know, it will never appear in in our wallet as something you can buy from us. Like, it just doesn't meet my design principles i understand that yeah as uh, if there's a lot of this there's a lot because there's a lot of push for
0: decentralized social media right with twitter getting strange in the last like week since uh Jack, i it was strange anyway in general before that um and yeah like i saw i was in jordan pearson's uh recent post like some company had commented you know or some decentralized social media thing deso something or other and i went okay this is an interesting idea let's click on the website i think okay all right, okay, and then you click on "I'll oh, buy their token or whatever." I thought I'll click on it, see where it te- what, what happens. You know, it takes you to Bitclout. <laughs> I thought, for God's sake, <laughs> it's just like is this just BitCloud wrapped as some sort of? Yeah. I think they're just trying to wrap their scam in like fifty layers. And I thought, okay, well, you know,
3: it's pretty disappointing. So yeah, I I, I trust. Sometimes you. I'll tell you it's relieving, also because <laughs> like while there's nothing quite exactly like slash tags that i found i have found some things that are somewhat similar like they, they cover some of the use cases we're trying to do but when i see that they're gonna like add a token to it i'm like good <laughs> they're not gonna be real competition <laughs> yeah. that's true yeah no i, I like I've it
2: i've seen yeah. a lot and i've seen lots of you know social media decentralized social media uh, i'm not sure if they're really decentralized but i think these ideas have been you know coming up, you know, for a while, we hearing noises here and there. I think Steemit was one of those who said they were actually decentralized social media before they actually, you know, went crashing down. In your opinion, what, 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 John, this is for you. What do you think, you know, is the biggest challenge to creating the decentralized social media, you know, a Twitter killer? What do you think you're actually doing different that you're convinced will succeed?
3: This might sound a little weird, but I think the biggest difference is Like we are, we were in our design process, we were incorruptible. Like basically, we weren't willing to say, like, and and we were well researched. So, like, we so removing the removing ignorance and removing greed from your design process will free you to actually design useful things. Otherwise, if you inj- start injecting greed or you're, you're too uninformed or ignorant about what you're trying to design, you're going to end up making things that are either corrupted or, or poorly designed. And so the difference with, I, th- I hope, you know, obviously we haven't proven anything with our, with our design for, for decentralized social media yet, we could fail as well. And we could fail because of ignorance, but it won't be because of corruption and greed because that, like, like, like we were just discussing, like... If you decide from the beginning that you need a blockchain for everything, all right. So now you're ignorant and probably also greedy because you're just wanting to inject this idea of like making money somehow on a pre-sale or a token or getting rich off of the token because you had early access to it. This is essentially creating the same like Cantillon effects of, of fiat. And fiat, you know, the system is obviously very corrupted. It's very corruptible. And so I think that, you know, to that's the confidence I have in our design is that we, we chose design restrictions, like those design principles on our website. And we have more than are on the website as well. But, you know, we, we use those as like strict guidelines, strict borders of what we could and could not do. And I found that when we did that, it actually became very freeing and made it made us very creative, you know? And so it's like, once you realize where the edges of your paradigm are, you know what you're working with. And I really don't think, I don't actually think there is at the moment with the existing technology, a more like streamlined or rational way to approach the problem than, than the way we're approaching it. Like for me, it all made sense because it made sense as primitives. It's not because like, you know, we, we want people to do what we think is cool or what our friends do or whatever. It's because I literally could not find a better way to do it. And that's the way I think you should design things like this.
0: Why well, I, I uh, there's there's a lot of things I want to ask, but I'm also aware that we're running pretty pretty long, so we should probably wrap it up. But maybe that means there's a third podcast in the in the future. <laughs> who knows? Anytime, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, anytime, I'm always happy to. Yeah. But yeah, it's been it's been awesome to to have you on, and um, I definitely think that my understanding of uh, synonym and, and and your plans and intentions is is a lot clearer. Um, so I think that's good news for me and also for the listeners as well who will hopefully be be hearing about that um but yeah I, I guess just uh thank you so much for joining and also thanks uh you guys for for co-hosting as usual uh is there any kind of final words you want to say any kind of um promotional I mean, you said synonym.to is the is the website i think it's underscore to for twitter synonym underscore to for
3: twitter is there anything else yes. that you want to say uh just generally like i i want everybody to understand that i do appreciate that this uh This vision and some of these designs and products are, we're making a lot of claims, we're being very ambitious, some of it is overwhelming or confusing or, you know, asking a lot of people to try to digest, I would just say, you know, just put a little bit of faith in us, show us a little bit of support, and we'll pay it back, like, tenfold, you know, like, I just... I I really am trying to be as genuine as possible to try to help Bitcoin and help Bitcoiners. And that is my priority above everything. Um, And I think it's our whole team's priority. Like everybody on our team, like kind of feels the same way and has like very similar like principles and things like this. And so everything is very principled, very rationalized. And so I would just say, if you encounter something that you think maybe doesn't make sense or you disagree with about what we're doing, just try it on and ask questions and, and we'll try to explain it. But in the meantime, like also, you know, remember that even though some of this is a bit much, that we are going to take the time to show it to you, like in an app, like everything we're doing, we will demonstrate it. And so it's not going to be only that I'm hoping everybody builds stuff with it and expands their minds and does stuff without us. I will, I also want them to be reassured that we're literally going to take the time to show you exactly how to do it and exactly what's possible within applications. And we want everybody to adopt it and copy everything we're doing and compete with us as hard as they want to, because I think that's the, the, the path forward. Um, as far as promotional stuff, I would say, you know, the website synonym.to, uh, the Twitter is synonym underscore to the, um, Thebiz.pro is the website for the podcast. Um, and then, yeah, just keep an eye out for our products. We have Block Tank, We have slash tags. Please, like if you're a dev or somebody, like play with it. Um, we also have the Omnibolt JavaScript library ready for any devs that want to start playing with tokens on Lightning early, um, but that technology is currently being audited. So, you know, come spring, we'll have a lot more stuff to show and a lot more uh, stuff that you guys can kind of analyze and play with. But until then, you know, any support, any interest, we're recruiting, (laughs) Um, we have several job roles open, but also just in general, if you're somebody like that's really interested and you don't see a job role appropriate, but you think you can help somehow, you know, like uh, be creative, you know, tell me what job you think you should have here and contact me, (laughs) you know, like where we're, I think we're always only limited by our own creativity. and So I'll leave it at that.
0: I like that final statement. Yeah, I guess you never know. There could be someone who's not even a developer or anything like that, but they could have some genius idea of how they can help the the vision move forward. So why not, right? Get in touch. Um, Well, again, thanks thanks so much for joining us, man. Um, It's much appreciated. Always a pleasure. Um, And thank you to everyone for listening as well. Um, We've uh, appreciated all of you, each and every one of you. So everyone have a lovely day, week, afternoon, year, month, whatever. Uh, whenever you're listening uh, and take care and keep on buying Bitcoin.